from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Hey, player, what you gonna get for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. What you gonna get that for? Come on, come on, come on. What you gonna get for, come on. for Christmas? Say it. What you gonna get that for? Oh, baby, baby, what you gonna get for Christmas? Come on, now. what you gonna get that for? It's a week of Friday, November 24, 2017, Black Friday. And it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And this week's show is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. Samaritan Ministries is a ministry that gives uh, Christians an opportunity to live in community with one another, blessing each other in Christ during a time of medical need. It's not health insurance. It's like an alternative. Every month, more than 69,000 households give generously to other members with a qualified medical need through Samaritan Ministries International, one of the leading healthcare sharing ministries in America. Members send checks, prayers, and notes of encouragement directly to other members in need. Healthcare sharing is a unique opportunity for members to be the hands and feet of Jesus and Samaritan Ministries. Direct sharing model is a biblical approach to paying for healthcare based on passages like Galatians 6.2, which says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is a charge they take seriously among their members and within the Samaritan family. Currently, one person membership started just $100 a month Two people can start at $200 and three people and up start at $250. Just as significantly, uh, Samaritan members also pray for each other and include notes and cards of encouragement with their monthly shares, which they send directly to other families. You can find out more by visiting SamaritanMinistries.org. It's really cool. Really cool. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, and joining me today in our Orlando studios, our new managing editor. Welcome back, Andre Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie is off on a uh, turkey coma type vacation things. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother Chandler Strang. Hello. Sitting quietly but stalking our new director of audio and video, Nathan Grubbs. He has no mic. <laughs> on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us for the whole show today, we're very excited from Los Angeles, California, Science Mike. Howdy, friends. Oh, uh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> this is a good show today. Well, speaking of which, we have not only Science Mike sitting in for the whole show. Coming up later, we talk to Father Richard Rohr. Oh, uh, wow. That's, that's oh going to be a one. This yeah. is a heavy hitting show. Oh, wow. We got yeah. the science. We got the contemplative prayer. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be good. And also uh, a live studio performance by a group, the Gray Havens. Uh, they just were in our studio yesterday and uh, blew us away. So we want to bring that on the show today. So there you go. Hey, hey, welcome to the show, Science Mike. It's been a while. I think we've called you once or twice with uh, very urgent science questions, <laughs> but it's been a while since you <laughs> sat in for the whole show. We're excited. How are you? How's LA? I'm good. You know, uh, it, it's caused a problem because at events now, people come up and say, how can I get one of those Science Mike emergency <laughs> buttons that Relevant has? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, we would we would find ourselves talking about deep intellectual things, which we are, yeah. are not qualified in any way to do. And, no. uh, and we thought we we need to actually ask somebody who knows things about things. And so we would we would pound the metaphorical Ask Science Mike button, which means we stop for 10 minutes. So while we get the Skype line fired up to call you and, uh, you know, but the magic of editing, people think there's actually a button where you just are summoned and uh, it's great. It's great. I'm telling you, everybody should have one. Mike, Mike I'm really excited you're on the show uh, for a lot of reasons. 
reasons, two of which I've previewed the slices. They're very science based today, which, you know, we we save a, a lot of our science inquiries uh, until you're on because we are, you know, not only is Cameron said not qualified, but actually <laughs> legally prohibited from talking about a lot of these concepts. <laughs> Without, I can't even get into that. Technically, our lawyers had to stop talking about it. But so I'm excited to finally get some stuff that I wanted to talk about. Also, you know, we've been I've been beta testing like a new concept with the guys here. Oh, um, no, 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 what, no. You're doing this. Are you really well, I'm doing, doing this? I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> All right. So, right so Mike, here, a, Mike, here's the concept. Back in the day, to to, st- to stimulate conversation, get to get to know like new cast members or staff members. Oh, I, I bought this thing like Table Topics, this little card thing, card game that you can buy at Target, and it's just a conversation device. You can have it when you have a dinner party, and it's just random questions to stir conversation. We had a lot of fun with it. Jesse decided that what he'd like to do to freshen up the show when. <laughs> And we have deep intellectual <laughs> guests like N.T. Wright or Father Richard Roron. What he wants to do is mix it up. And instead of asking them about their new book or about things that people want to hear from them, he wants to do a random selection of table topics with these people. <laughs> But we've used all the table topics cards because we've been using this tactic for years. So he found a free app on the app store That's right. with random questions, thinking that they were of the level of table topics. He brought it on. He brought it onto the show a couple of weeks ago, and we quickly learned they were not at that level, and they were just the weirdest questions we've ever heard. So now Jesse is doubled down and definitely mm-hmm. wants to use these questions for the smartest, most important guests we have on the show. So I'm very sorry that he's about to subject you to this, but take it away, Jesse. Mike, here's the thing: you and I, you know, you you are heavily involved in podcasting with Ask Science Mike and literature. You know how hard it is to keep it fresh. You know, like you got to. Target for people. <laughs> so we just, you know, buy, we just download free apps, you know, and that's how we yeah. do it. Professional <laughs> podcasting 101. Come on. So, so, so Mike, I got to a point in this app when well, I think I first did it with Andre and I, it, it's clear that the writers of it just ran out of ideas because I stopped going through the questions when I came across these two, which was what would it be like to have magnetic fingertips and be, <laughs> <laughs> and do you think it'd be fun to have a tail? Now, I won't subject you to those because yeah. we've talked about them exhaustively yeah. on this podcast. I mean, so it's far. 20 minutes of content right there. Just would yeah. it be yeah. fun to have a tail? Yeah. 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 So, so Mike, I'm going to move through these free app icebreaker questions and I'll, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll ask you the next one. How's that sound? Sounds fantastic. It's going to be very intellectually stimulating for everyone involved. Which <laughs> I would say on the finger question, it depends how powerful the magnets that would dramatically alter the experience. Okay, hold on, because we got into this. Somebody said yeah. that you could like climb, you know, a metal building or something if you had magnetic fingertips. I I said I don't care how strong the magnet is. It's all about arm strength in that situation. Yeah, that's rip your if you can't off. do rock climbing, you're just gonna be dangling by your fingertips. You know. I mean, so yes, the rest of your body the, would have the to magnets be able to are strong that. enough. You won't yeah. have the muscle power to remove them, and you'll right. just be trapped on the side of a metal. Yeah, building, the, the, would be the worst situation ever. They I think mean, it's if a super, your fingertips yeah. are magnetic, right? Tips, and you're trying to climb something. That's right. You're going to rip your fingers off. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a terrible scenario. I, yeah. I, I, we yeah. all concluded, other than this one listener, we all concluded that it'd be <laughs> terrible. You couldn't use your phone. No, you couldn't use your phone. You couldn't use a computer. I mean, you're done. 
Yeah, that's it. You tried to open a, a door at Chipotle, you're stuck on the door. <laughs> I mean, I like, would have paid $5, not just for this app, but for someone to have asked me this question at an earlier <laughs> point in my life, because it's led to a lot of fascinating conversations. So, so Mike, uh, I won't ask you about the tail. We can assume the answer is yes. It'd be awesome to have a tail. <laughs> the next question is, which animal would be the scariest if it were the size of an elephant? Are we getting into snakes and stuff too and lizards? Anything. I think it could be bugs, snakes, anything. Well, you said animal, so I assume you meant mammal. Oh, does, does it have to be a mammal? No, Jesse just said anything. I mean, I think it's it doesn't specify, so I think it's pretty wide open. I would say like the praying mantis, but <laughs> if you scale the praying mantis that much, its exoskeleton would be too large a proportion of its mass and it would be immobile. So it would be more sad than terrifying. It's kind of sad, right? So I have point, to think like, of an animal kind of whose physiology could reasonably scale to elephant size and still allow them to function. It, it, yeah. A praying mantis would be like one of those plaster dinosaurs on the side of the road in like South Carolina. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, if I see a praying there. mantis that large, yeah. I'm not going to stand there long enough to see if it's mobile or not. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I, I'm going to immediately try to ride it. <laughs> <laughs> They're very still. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a um, elephant sized Bengal tiger. Oh, yeah. Because they're fast. They're fast. They're highly aggressive. Their physiology is already scaled to be a large mammal. So it's (laughs) it's remotely feasible that it would still be uh, a dangerous animal at that size. It would be very hungry and in no way would the size of Homo sapien intimidate an elephant sized tiger. So you yeah. know those those lizard things that run on top of water on their hind legs? Yes. That, yeah. that, that's that, the one that comes to mind for me. If that that's is, the size of an elephant and that thing can move that fast at scale, uh uh-uh. uh. And it runs that can, funny. Yeah. Because at least with the Bengal tiger, I can if like I've got nowhere else, I can just like row out in a lake. You know? Right, right, but, th- but but that thing it's just gonna run out and get me real fast. Yeah. There's, at that point there's literally nowhere to hide. Although, although to be fair tigers are excellent swimmers they're just averse to water oh okay all right yeah no cat wants to be sprayed with water so i can uh get yeah. rid of it with that little squirt bottle sure yeah that's all you need just that's a, squirt need. Bottle. a hose you get a hose that massive <laughs> elephant-sized bengal tiger leaves you alone the, the, the point about trying to escape it in the water actually brings me to my next question on this app which is oddly if you had a boat what would you name it <laughs> uh, Bodie McBoakface. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's easy, only one easy. answer. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, uh, what's what's the strangest thing you have in your room? <laughs> either a realistic model of a human brain, or an '80s uh, Inspector Gadget toy. Well, my question is, what room? When you say yeah. your room, I think bedroom. Oh yeah, like is it is it just like the room that you're sitting in right now? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like in an office, you have tchotchkes and some weird knickknacks. That's all. It's normal. I th- I I thought he was asking your room. Yeah, like your actual like the room where you sleep and stuff. What's the weirdest thing in the room where you sleep? <laughs> yeah, the room that you sleep. What's the oddest thing in? Let's there? go. Let's go there. Oh man. Oh man. We so we just moved. So I've just we've purged. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything in our bedroom other than a bed and clothes. Hey, how do you like uh, LA, by the way? You just moved oh, from uh, the man. panhandle of Florida. What's mm. it like? Are you adjusting? <laughs> it takes about eight seconds to adjust to <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> the bad thing about living in LA is when you travel, 
yeah. everywhere feels too hot, too hot, cold, or too humid. Hmm. Just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was traveling from Florida, specifically the Panhandle, every time I traveled, it was like, oh wow, what a what a wonderful break from oppressive weather. <laughs> And now, now I go to Portland. And I'm like, oh, it's so bad here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Terrible. It is. It, Southern California makes you weak. It just <laughs> it takes away any environmental hardening or adaptation you have, and just turns you into a softy. So, so I'm assuming, unlike me, you don't have ninja stars hidden all over your bedroom just for home protection purposes. Because I'm hard. No I'm hard. Jesse is like, please do not transition away from my app. This is a yeah. very important. All right, all right, we'll do. We'll do last one. If you had your own country, what would you name it? Your own country. I think I take these too seriously. <laughs> I was pausing for contemplation. Really I was going to say, wow, this is like, I, yeah, I almost expect you to start crying in that pause. So it's like when you get to the really good point of an interview and I strike an emotional chord. It's like, wow, never. No, he's not going like to cry. He's going to tear up. And he's yeah. taking a moment to get to recalibrate. Yeah, compose. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't, I don't know. Um, typically, countries uh, derive their name in some way. From their origin, mm-hmm. um, and what's have I come across like an undiscovered piece of land, or as a new piece of land emerged from the ocean, <laughs> Lex Luthor style? <laughs> that would pretty dramatically alter it. the yeah. outcome. If it was an island that appeared from the bottom of the ocean, I would probably um, I'd try to think of the most sci-fi non-word I could. Mm. Um, but you have to be careful with sci-fi and on words because if you go too far then they sound like a car like Previa or something <laughs> so you have to be really careful with sci-fi and on words like a mini a cool minivan yeah <laughs> yeah right like you don't want a minivan sounding country yeah uh, but I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have to. I'd have to think about that. That's 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 okay, too challenging enough. for me. I'm not a big enough thinker for your questions. Jeff. I think whatever it is, well. you should make sure that you have an unnecessary UE at the end, like your last name, <laughs> <laughs> because that's your name is spelled McArgue. But yes. I but I've been corrected over the years after years of saying it wrong publicly on this show. You I, know, I, I didn't correct you. No, you never did, which made no. it worse because you just <laughs> let me wallow in my ignorance and, and as though we were friends. And, and then, you know, literally, I'm looking at the notes right now and your name is written phonetically for me to remind me, do not spell, do not pronounce those last two letters. It's McArg. So do you know how they spell it in Scotland? I don't. M-C-H-A-R-G. And there's which is no how it's, UE. Which is how it's pronounced. Why did somebody add the UE? It was an attempt to anglicanize it for a transition to the United States that went terribly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, clearly this is a British name. It's got a UE on the end. <laughs> we won't persecute this person. <laughs> That's funny. Right. That's funny. All right. We'll move the show along. It's time for our weekly look back at what happened at culture and entertainment. It's time for in case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it uh, this week, San Francisco 49ers player Eric Reed used the gospel to defend the NFL demonstrations protesting racial injustice. Uh, The linebacker explained to the AP that 
It's the Bible that compels them to take part in the demonstrations. He said, it's the foundation of why we started doing this. We all have a love for people. The Bible tells us, love your brother as yourself. So that's why we're doing it. We have to speak up for those who can't do it for themselves. My faith is ultimately what led me to start protesting. And so it continues to drive me. Faith without works is dead. I feel like the past year before we started protesting, the Lord prepped me for this moment. He also explained how frustrating it is to see some Christians attack the players choosing to demonstrate. He said, I do see some hypocrisy with the people that call themselves Christians. You know, Jesus, he went into the house of God and turned over the tables and was angry and said they made the house of God into a marketplace. So I would say this is something that he would do. There you go. Eric Reed. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want more takes on stuff like that, I'm going to do my obligatory plug here. Relevant is doing a sports podcast available now. <laughs> Wherever you podcast, hey, the news making uh, sports podcast. I mean, I mean, when when uh, Sam Macho, a cast member Sam Macho, who plays for the Chicago Bears, spoke out about this issue, uh, the Chicago Tribune reported about what he said on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah, powerful stuff, man. Wow, yeah. Hey, in case you missed it, a clip of Wolverine becoming a Christian from the 90s animated X-Men series resurfaced this week and went viral. <laughs> uh, the episode followed Wolverine, Rogue, and Gambit as they run across a monastery harboring a blue-skinned monk named Nightcrawler, where he hides for fear of the villagers. He and Wolverine promptly clash over religion. Both characters would later be featured in the blockbuster movies. Uh, after presenting Wolverine with a Bible and a message about the gospel, the antihero is seen kneeling at the altar of a church praying, I, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you are angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. I will trust and will not be afraid. Here is another clip from the scene. No, he's right. So all people are flawed and all struggle with their capacity for sin. None likes to be reminded of our shared human weakness. My appearance does not make it easy. Don't it make you crazy? It did once, but then I found peace by devoting my life to God. He directed me to this place where they value the character of my heart, not my appearance. What are you talking about? We're mutants. God gave up on us a long time ago. No, my friend. God does not give up on his children, human or mutant. He is there for us in our times of joy and to help us when we are in pain. If we let him. Mike, are you are you are you a comic book guy at all? Uh vicariously. Okay. All, all okay. my friends were comic book readers. Uh for some reason I've never been able I'm like comic book illiterate. If okay. you hand me a comic book and I try to read it, I can't follow a story or make meaning from the <laughs> mixture of pictures and, and words. I can do pictures yeah. or words. I can't mix the two. <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm a pictures guy, so I feel you on that. Uh, but I'm also a cartoon guy. I'm also a cartoon guy because the words are audible. And uh, I was a huge. I used to watch the X-Men series when I was a kid, and I have no recollection of this scene, but it was making the rounds. I, we posted it. It got like 2,000 you know, shares on Facebook this week. Um, it, it was a really unexpected moment. It was a really thoughtful moment for the X-Men cartoon. Um, uh, again, I had no recollection of it as a kid, but uh, it's interesting to see. You know, it's a kind of a forgotten thing. What if we're being punked, though? Like, I don't remember this either, and I used to watch that cartoon every Saturday morning. Do you okay? Do you yeah, but I mean, I'm not a. Oh, so I feel like we need to get like some graphic novel nerd on here, but <laughs> right to tell us because 
I, I don't know this world at all. Isn't Tyler into this? Ty, Tyler's into yeah. superheroes. Oh, but like, yeah. I know that there's super, I know that there are certain superhero narratives that are absolute biblical allegory and mm-hmm. intended as such. Yeah. You know, the Superman but, series but, but, and others. Maybe, maybe the X-Men thing was written from a Christian worldview. And this is just one of the times that it was blatant. You yeah. know? Well, I remember Nightcrawler was like a priest Definitely. on the show. Mm-hmm. Like Definitely. even in the movies, he was a priest. I just don't remember this particular scene, but I mean, Andre, you can watch the video. So if it's a prank, someone went to a tremendous amount of trouble tremendous. because they had to reanimate the scene. <laughs> no, I just don't trust it. I don't know. I'm like such For a very conspiracy little brother right now, too, but I'm yeah. like, I don't know, man. But you know, maybe they like overdubbed the words or something, you know, like maybe, or, maybe he was maybe it never aired. Maybe it was produced, but didn't air. Or maybe yeah. it was some Christian ministry from the seventies that like, <laughs> you know, made it as an outreach, but then they got into copyright infringement trouble or something. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being a conspiracy brother for no reason. It probably really yeah. happened. No, I would, I would appreciate that if people were reanimating cartoons without permission. I'm just imagining the effort to faithfully, imitate the art style and <laughs> video recording technology of the 90s along with finding perfect impersonators of relatively obscure actors listen listen i put nothing past i put nothing past christians because look at how well they've ripped off the coca-cola logo for t-shirts yeah. to say jesus christ oh wow yeah the abercrombie and you know fitch a logo for fitch, a breadcrumb yeah. of fish they are great imitators christians are great at yes. ripping off secular entertainment yeah. You just wait for the four-page op-ed I'm going to write about this conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> With no fact. It's just your own conjecture. It's my own conjecture. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going to be like those people who are always trying to connect things to the Illuminati. It's just like right. ridiculous connections. Hey, I was at a Jay-Z concert a week ago, and they did the triangle symbol with their hands a lot. I'm just telling you, yeah. they were worshiping the Illuminati. He had twelve. He had 15,000 people like waving it up and down. I mean, the Illuminati invented that shape. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You have to do it in front of your eye, though, or it doesn't count. <laughs> There's not an eye in the, in the pyramid. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, Jordan Peele this week responded to the controversy surrounding his film uh, Get Out being listed as a comedy. The winner of the best picture drama category uh, with the Golden Globes is often seen as a predictor of the film that's favorite to win the Oscar for best picture. Last year, Moonlight won both awards and you can go down the list. So it's a big deal with Jordan Peele's horror slash social satire film Get Out uh, when it was submitted uh, to the best comedy category instead. The, the film tells the story of an interracial couple who go to visit the woman's rich white parents as a much more sinister plot unfolds uh, though the film is partly a satire about racism and deep-seated racial bias in America it isn't meant to be funny so its potential nomination in the category angered many fans and has now prompted a response from the filmmaker and screenwriter Jordan Peele he said the reason for the visceral response to this movie being called a comedy is that we are still living in a time in which African-Americans Uh, cries for justice aren't being taken seriously. It's important to acknowledge that though there are funny moments, the systematic racism that the movie is about is very real. He added that at first he dismissed the classification. When I originally heard the idea of placing it in the comedy category, it didn't register to me as an issue. I missed it. There's no category for social thriller. So what? I moved on. At the end of the day, call, get out, horror, comedy, drama, action, or documentary. I don't care. Whatever you call it, just know it's our truth. Mm. That's what he said. Mm. There you mm. go. It's a great response. 
Yeah. And it, it, it kind of brings to like how arbitrary some of the movie classifications are like be, beyond just like this one being having like an important social message that shouldn't be dismissed as a joke. It, it's like, why do they even have these distinctions in the best picture category? Like, it was like the Martian was listed as a comedy last year. So that would well, have, they have the a distinction better... because you can't uh, uh, evaluate comedies as you would dramas. You can't just have one like movie category. Yeah, now, I get the categories. It's just no, what I'm saying for award shows like Correct. because generally what best picture uh, doesn't, uh, you know, when people say best picture, they're, they're just talking about best picture drama. So even if there's like a really good comedy, a lot of times it'll be overlooked because mm. it, it, it has hu- it uses humor as a device instead of tension. And so a lot of times uh, movies won't get the same sort of recognition because uh, some award shows make this somewhat arbitrary mm. distinction. Well, and you don't want Rob Schneider taking Best Picture every year. No, right. Based on the body of his comedy work. You don't? Ever. (laughs) You don't? (laughs) The Deuce Bigelow trilogy. (laughs) Clearly. A clean sweep. Yeah. It's It's all Schneider this year. It's basically the madmen of the film film industry. (laughs) All right. Hey, in case you missed it, Netflix has ordered a show about a modern day Jesus from our friends Mark Burdett and uh, Roma Downey. Wow. So, I mean, they they produced the, the blockbuster miniseries, The Bible, uh, mm. but the plot of the show called Messiah is dramatically different than the historical series. Uh, Deadline said, it chronicles the modern world's reaction to a man who first appears in the Middle East, creating a groundswell of followers around him, claiming he is the Messiah. Is he sent from God or is he a dangerous fraud bent on dismantling the world's geopolitical order? The story unfolds from multiple points of view, including a young CIA agent, an Israeli Shin Bet officer, a Latino preacher and his Texan daughter, a Palestinian refugee and the media, among others. There you go. And the Covered media. all the bases. <laughs> yeah. And the media. Literally everyone. The perspective of literally a everyone. A cafeteria worker. A, yeah. The president. This, this series is 700 hours long. Each episode from the different perspective of a different human on earth. It's, it's quite the undertaking. It's 7 billion hours long. 7 billion hours. Um, I think if you were to design a show premise guaranteed to not offend anyone, you would get this one. Like right. This is clear the safest bet you could make in television. Yeah. I, I will say this though: I'm more interested to watch this than like some of the historical Bible movies and shows that are out. Like I know, like Jim Caviezel's in one about the Apostle Paul. Um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is in one where he per- portrays Jesus, which is in production. For some reason, like it's hard for me to get into one that are like historical. For some reason, like I don't know if it's the costumes, the setting. I I just get. Does it just say something about me, or that the genre needs to be refreshed? That I get bored with them almost instantly now. I mean, the historical ones always make Jesus so very weird. Like they're hard to watch usually. Yeah, I, my issue is almost like just been there, done that. It's like, I, yeah, you that's know, the thing. I it, see okay, so many times. we're telling the exact same story. Yeah. You just cast Jesus slightly more ethnic or slightly less ethnic, or it's just like, but it's still the same core thing. I mm-hmm. like the idea of enlarging the conversation. You know, so someone should enlarge the conversation by like reanimating a very obscure '90s cartoon <laughs> and interjecting the gospel into it. I think that would, I think that could pick up some steam. Call me crazy. 
Call me crazy, but just an idea. No, no, no. no. Why, why is that like, like have Jesus walk with the Thundercats? Right. And, uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Why would you limit hey, it to talk, just... I'd totally watch that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, don't limit it to just, you know, the Wolverine being reanimated. Let's cut Jesus and salvation scenes into all of our favorite, like all of our favorite shows from uh, the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, yeah. not just is cartoons. It a little... Yeah. Go, go, I mean, gadget, Bible. That's right. <laughs> A little problematic, a little blasphemous, but very entertaining. You know, I'm not opposed to seeing this. Mark Burnett and Roma Downey, it's Saturday morning with Jesus. It's that that one special episode of Scooby-Doo where Jesus joins them to figure out what's going on at the haunted amusement park. Well, I mean, they brought in the Harlem Globetrotters and they brought in other cameos. So, So you're suggesting like that episode of Gilligan's Island where the Globetrotters crash land on the island and manage to escape, leaving the castaways behind. Like, what's what's this preventing the 12 disciples from doing the hey, same thing. That's like, what I'm saying. The storm might... blew up on the Sea of Galilee and they washed ashore at Gilligan's Island for a special <laughs> episode. I mean, I, I, I would watch it. I can see that. Yeah. Hey, uh, lastly, uh, in case you missed it this week, Chance the Rapper killed it hosting SNL. And yes, I know all of you, when you saw Chance the Rapper was hosting SNL, knew that it would show up on this podcast, and it has. Um, the hip-hop star hosted this week while Eminem was featured as a musical guest. Uh, Chance stole the show from actual cast members in many of his scenes, including one where he played a citizen of Gotham City who confronted Bruce Wayne over Batman's tendency to racially profile in his neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, you, and then the one man on Celebrity Family Feud were like, <laughs> Chance was Steve Harvey's illegitimate son. What a play. Oh my goodness. I'm dead. Anyway, here's a clip. What is it, son? You can ask your old pal Bruce anything. Okay, Bruce. Uh, you know how Batman is always so tough on crime? He sure is, son. And I'll tell you a little secret. I actually know Batman. <laughs> okay, well, can you tell him to cool it down in our neighborhoods? Uh, cool it down? What do you mean? Somebody's got to do something about him. I mean, he broke my best friend's jaw in two places, and all he did was steal a TV. That's excessive. <laughs> it's okay, ma'am. Listen, Malik, stealing is a crime, and Batman doesn't take crime lightly. Obviously, because then he ziplined him to the top of a building and then left him hanging for, like, 30 minutes, 30 stories up by a gargoyle, by his underwear. Uh, well, Batman fights crime wherever he sees it. Just seems like he's in our neighborhood all the time. <laughs> Who y'all talking about, Batman? Yeah, man. Somebody got to do something about him. That's what I'm saying. Chance could literally be like, and here's another thing, like he could be the next Rob Schneider in terms of how Hollywood's concerned. <laughs> Just sweeping the Oscars for comedy. He's going to get that goat in that, uh, that might the, the be EGOT. the least the probable sentence ever uttered. Like just <laughs> I was not chance that might be the next Rob Schneider. I want that on my tombstone. That is incredible. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned up next slices.
listening to The Walkman and Nicole Sheehan. Uh, the song is The Christmas Party. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Quad City DJs and the 69 Boys with What You Want for Christmas, my favorite Christmas song from the 90s. I mean, obviously, what, what's happening, it's a day after Thanksgiving. We're allowed to introduce the Christmas music, and that's what we're doing. So you're going to be hearing some, some Christmas tunes all show long. So, Well, this week's Slices segment is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Uh, creating a site with Squarespace is easy. It's a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. They have beautiful, best-in-class templates to work from. You can customize them however you want. You can even launch a powerful online store with their seamless commerce tools, invoicing, everything. They have great customer support, and when you sign up for a year of Squarespace, you get your uh, custom domain included for free. Right now, Squarespace is offering relevant podcast listeners a special deal. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and then enter offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. I use Squarespace. I've built many sites on Squarespace. RelevantMediaGroup.com is a Squarespace site. Uh, Go check it out. You'll like it. Squarespace.com, enter offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? <clears throat> All right, Mike. I br- I knew you, you you know you were on the show this week, so I wanted to bring something that would really kind of uh, scratch that science itch for us all. So I hope you approve. <laughs> it's about another science Mike. He doesn't go by Science Mike. He goes by Mad Mike Hughes. Uh, that's his nickname, Mad Mike. Uh, and Mad Mike is a man from California who uh, this weekend will be launching his gubernator- gubernatorial. Is that? Am I saying that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got it. Just double down, gonna, man. Just own it. Just yeah, power through. Into it. A just gubernatorial. Power I feel like I'm adding an extra syllable. I feel like there's a lot of syllables in that word. <laughs> He's launching his campaign to be the next governor of California. There you uh, go. <laughs> by also trying to uh, debunk what he thinks is a science myth. Because in his mind, he believes that uh, for much of science, there's no difference between science and science fiction. That's why this weekend he is launching (laughs) a homemade $20,000 steam-powered rocket that on the side of it is painted, Research Flat Earth. His goal is to shoot himself one mile into the air so that he can get a good look at the horizon and report back to everyone that the Earth is, in fact, flat. Uh, now, this may seem like a dangerous stunt, and he's actually charging people on internet pay-per-view somehow to watch him do this <laughs> and, and to de- to debunk people who believe in the so-called globe that's actually round and <laughs> Uh, is part of a quote unquote solar system. We know, we know, we know we're on a big flat stone being walked through space on a giant turtle. Either way, Hughes is out to do, Hughes is out to do the Lord's work and he's going to go shoot himself up there. Big flat stone being walked through space on a giant turtle? Isn't that that what flat earth is? turtles all the way down. You know, it's a turtle on a turtle on a turtle on a turtle on a turtle. turtle. Some of them are inverted turtles. That's what I heard. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of turtle turtles. I've never there. heard this explain. Okay, isn't that like a native cosmology or something like that? It's it's like a real it's a real thing. It it is a real thing. Uh, and the turtles all the way down joke comes from 
someone hearing that mythology and then asking what the turtle was walking on. Yeah. And then someone jokingly saying, it's turtles all the way down. So. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, Mad Mike, Mad Mike is going to put this to rest, this question to rest once and for all. Because uh, if you follow the NBA at all, you will know that the Flat Earth movement is having a bit of a moment right now with, with people <laughs> questioning conventional science. And this guy's actually doing something about it. He's just not talking about it. He's shooting himself a mile into the in a rocket he's going to parachute out now you may say that seems dangerous i worry about mad mike's health don't worry wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. a mile into the air five thousand two hundred eighty feet yeah well, he yeah. could go on an airplane and go to thirty thousand feet and get a better view right and just take well, pictures out the window he doesn't trust these airlines is the problem. <laughs> what, what, what makes him think that shooting something a mile into the air is going to get him a better view than something 30,000. He can, that's what I'm saying. He could just go to a mountain and look out and be <laughs> at 5,000 feet. There's plenty of those, but he still won't see the curvature of the earth. So he won't be convinced. If we think about this cognitively, someone who is <laughs> drawn to a conspiracy theory about the flatness of the earth right. is not going to be a rigorous skeptical thinker. True. So it's a self. The thing about conspiracy theories is they're self-reinforcing. Yeah. Because they um, not only provide an alternative hypothesis, they also provide a sense of hidden knowledge. And through that communal identity. And that's why they're so sticky. Uh, so something like, of course, <laughs> it would be cheaper and easier to buy an airplane ticket and fly, <laughs> fly much higher. five to six times as high in the air and then look out the window <laughs> is, uh, is, is, you know, a more rigorous. And also, frankly, from a marketing perspective, a less interesting thing. True. No one's going right. to buy internet pay-per-view right. for you to buy a plane <laughs> ticket <laughs> and take a picture out the window. That's true. That's true. I, I agree. And, you know, if my, uh, <laughs> I was initially like, I thought, I don't know if I want to bring this like, what if Mad Mike doesn't make this? This sounds like, I mean, the rocket is homemade too. So oh, we don't no. even know if it's going to get it. Oh no. Is it? <laughs> we don't know if it's, it's even going to get off the ground. It could go. And if it's it, steam it, powered, I, I have significant safety concerns. <laughs> like I do too, but I it's only going to go one one of two ways. To be honest with you, because I've never made a steam powered rocket. Let me preface what I'm about to say by clarifying that point. Yeah, yeah. but I only see this going one of two ways because it's very hard to estimate an exact mile with a steam powered rocket. Right. I can only imagine. Either either this gets mere feet off the ground, or it goes far, far higher than a mile. <laughs> and Mad Mike may shoot himself into orbit and we may never see him again. One other alternative would be a catastrophic failure involving pressurized steam. Which is terrifying. Well, well that, that's why I, you know, so I was a little concerned, but then I read a little bit about Mad Mike. This isn't his first rodeo. He actually holds a Guinness. He actually. So that's why I wasn't concerned, because when you read his resume, you're like, oh, not, no sweat, guys. We, you know, he'll be all right. He'll figure out a way. Because he actually holds the Guinness World Record for the longest jump by a Lincoln Town Car Stretch Limo. So he's fine. He's Survive that! Wait, wait, wait! What? 
<laughs> oh my goodness. He once jumped a Lincoln Town Car stretch limo. <laughs> stretch limo. Okay. How far? A hundred, a hundred and two feet. Which wow. I don't. I, I'm having, what's that like? Um, That's like eight car lengths, uh, width wise, not length, but mm-hmm. width. You it's know. much longer than you would try to jump a Lincoln Town. I mean, it's only oh. been done once, and it's bad, mad Mike Hughes. So if, oh. if he, if he was able to walk away from that and run for governor one day, I think he's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket. I disagree with this cosmology, but I'd really like to hang out with him. He sounds like a fascinating guy. If he, assuming all goes well and he is reachable, he has not shot himself into orbit. I'm going to try to get Mad Mike Hughes on because oh, yeah. here's, here's can I tell you what I'm really interested in? It's not so much as science. It's not so much as like the flat earth stuff. Yeah. He's running for the governor of California. I really want to <laughs> dig into the politics here because I bet this guy got some wild platforms some that he takes. wants to communicate. Hot yeah. takes. <laughs> Man, by the way, have you seen the uh, uh, people take tennis balls and take really close pictures of them so they appear flat? Oh, have, to, have you, to, 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 to yeah. show how like the earth can, you know, right. Well, no, the, 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 it's a joke. And they say, oh, my gosh, tennis balls are flat, too. <laughs> and so now the Internet is ironically going after flat earthers by finding round things, photographing them so they appear flat and therefore proving that basketballs and tennis balls and beach balls are all flat. All I know is Kyrie Irving, you know, uh, the NBA yeah. superstar Kyrie Irving uh, was famously outspoken and taken to task on the internet about his flat yeah. earth theories. Uh, he, he's very adamant about them. He, uh, you know, is now on the Boston Celtics and the Boston Celtics have won 15 games in a row. So, yeah. so you do the math. I'm so, so, yeah. saying <laughs> he might be on this. Hey, something. You, I, I think I brought this up before, but Bob, the rapper, has a Neil deGrasse Tyson diss track because <laughs> what? Uh, That's true. Yeah, no. it's true. Mike, as someone who's an advocate for science, are you a little disheartened? To be honest with us, are you a little disheartened that flat earthers are having kind of a moment right now? No, not at all. Me neither. What the emergence of flat earthers represent is a larger societal failure to encourage science literacy and to create trustworthy institutions. We're reaping what we've sown. So I don't blame flat earthers for the rejection of science. I blame a larger societal context for creating an environment where flat earth is a reasonable alternative hypothesis. All I'm saying is I don't see round earthers winning 15 games in a row. You know? <laughs> like, I don't see round earthers winning 15 games in a row. I don't see them jumping limousines. So you can convince me, you know, well, and it makes sense because if you can, if you can make a basketball, a Frisbee, you can throw it much farther. So right, right. If your basketball is actually flat. You're fine. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Andre? Oh, okay. So I. Oh, it's your first slice. Yeah, it's a debut slice. There's no pressure. Debut slice on the podcast. Um, Anthony Lewandowski, uh, former AI engineer at Uber, has been spending his time starting a church called The Way of the Future um, because he believes that AI are going to rule the world, and we may as well throw up the white flag now and start worshiping the AI god. Oh, jeez. Oh, wait. Seriously. Seriously. He's starting yeah. a church of artificial intelligence. He's starting to, a church to, to worship where people worship the coming. Artificial intelligent God. Wow. <laughs> this is like an yeah. official thing. Like it's a he, thing. Like he's he is applied to be recognized as a religious organization by the government. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. So he can discriminate people like with healthcare and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This was a fascinating story because this isn't some just like this guy is like a Silicon Valley, like a well-known engineer there that, but, but his essential, um, take is that AI will eventually take over that he thinks that's an inevitability and he gave like a pretty chilling quote to some another tech site he asked them do you want to be a pet or do you want to be livestock pretty much he said yeah we give pets medical attention food grooming entertainment Uh, but an animal that's biting you attacking you barking and being annoying I don't want to go there did you see this week the um that, you know, my only real, I mean, obviously I've kind of read, you know, the, the evolution of artificial intelligence, how rapidly it's progressing, but my only real, you know, kind of my, in my mind, it's that, that Will Smith movie, AI, you yeah, know, and yeah. then there's like Terminator, yeah. Yeah. you know, like that's what's in my head. And then I saw this video the other day of this in, I think it's Dubai or mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia where they're wanting to do an entire city kind of run by artificial intelligence. And so yeah. they showed this video of a man having a conversation with one of the AI robots. And it was just, it was like almost cognizant. I mean, it like Mm -hmm. had, it was chilling. Yeah. Cause like, cause this wasn't a movie with CG. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure this has been around for a while, but I mean, just seeing it this week. Yeah. I can't remember her name at the moment, but I think I've seen that video and like, she is, I mean, she's, she's a person. I mean, the front is a face. Yeah. The back is, gears and in wires and stuff of her head you know but i mean it is it's chilling with the expressions and she's listening to what he's saying and she's responding it's not like pre-programmed it's uh i mean it's it's chilling and then so you know to know you know this is something that now you know engineers are kind of going this is inevitable that this will overtake earth and we need to just worship it now yeah as far as some people are concerned like there's this moment coming called the singularity where ai knowledge will surpass human knowledge and our capacity to know things in general our intelligence and so they're saying like so this guy is calling he's calling it like the transition right like he's re-languaging even that that those words the vernacular to say like this is going to happen and kind of putting it in these spiritual terms. It's from a Christian bioethics standpoint. We, we back in 2010, uh, we had a a big piece in the magazine where we were looking at kind of like the, the next 10 years, you know, 2010 to 2020 looking ahead and talking to different Christian thinkers and bioethicists and different people about what should Christians be talking about, thinking about. And, um, bioethics was a big thing about, you know, kind of like what is life, you know, like if if we're able to 3d print body parts and living flesh and things like that, what is life? If we are creating the image of God, we need to be talking about that as a church and we're not, but he, but a lot of the, the thinkers in that piece talked about the impending moment of singularity that will happen in these next 10 years that we're talking about. And now, I mean, seems like we're almost there. Yeah. Mike, do you, do you think that's a, a real and imminent threat? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm interested because I saw, I watched a video this week of, uh, of a robot that DARPA, like the defense agency built, doing box jumps and, and parkour backflips. Dude, that was I'm crazy. Not lie, that, that was, so you're not, this isn't concern you uh, at all, Mike. Well, so there's, there's a number of uh, exciting or terrifying developments in autonomous machines right now uh, depending on your perspective um alpha uh, go the the program from deep mind that won 
that beat the world champions in Go recently had a new iteration that created strategies from first principles instead of analyzing human data. That's a big deal for AI. Um, you know, that we're starting to see uh, the beginnings of the potential for machine minds to create code and therefore modify themselves or create iterations. That's a big deal for AI development. But things like Sophia in Dubai, which was created by Hanson Robotics uh, and other conversational robots, they tend to demo really well and then fail spectacularly when they get out of the confines of a scripted or safe conversation. Uh, machines mm. right now are not nearing a point of human-like awareness or cognition. And it's not something I worry about, um, which is why starting a church to worship AI and therefore placate it is ridiculous. There is a real possibility that machines become more intelligent than we are and, in fact, become a danger to us. But it's very unlikely that their method of thinking will in any way resemble a consciousness that emerges from a neurological fabric that's chemical and electrical in nature. A digital consciousness is likely to be the most alien thing we've ever encountered and basically unknowable to us as a less intelligent organism that thinks in a fundamentally different manner. I started feeling less afraid, and then by the end of that, I became terrified all over again. <laughs> I, 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 I watched, uh, it's it's on Netflix, it's from uh, Werner Herzog, his documentary, Lo and Behold. Have you seen that, Mike? I have not. It's, um, so it looks at the, it's so, sort of a lot of different uh, uh, clips that look at the state, uh, the relationship between he technology and people. And at one point they go to um, like an engineering school where they've engineered these little robots to play soccer autonomously. And they said, you know, their goal is to eventually have this little robot soccer team be able to beat the best soccer players in the world because they just gave it a very single minded task. Right. And they are these soccer playing robots are incredible and they just like they make calculated decisions on where to pass the ball where to when to shoot it based on like an ever-evolving smarter algorithm and it's like well i could see one of these algorithms spinning out of control and getting too smart for humans to you know prevent from doing something crazy you don't you don't think that's that's a threat at all though mike i, I think the risk is we accidentally create a super intelligent ai not on purpose Hmm. using machine learning and self-iterative systems. Right. And then that AI, if it becomes a danger to us or eliminates us, does so on accident or indifferently, not in malice. Uh, right. You know, one, hmm. one famous example is if you tasked a super intelligent AI with creating paper clips, uh, <laughs> it, may, uh, it may destroy all life on Earth, not because it's angry with life on Earth, but because it has one mission create as many paperclips as possible, which means you need to convert the entire Earth and its molten core into paperclips. <laughs> and then you need to send rockets to other planets and turn them into paperclips too. And so I think it's more likely that an AI slowly converts the universe to paperclips than an AI is interested in worship or fellowship with humanity. Well, just another thing to worry about. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never, I'm not supporting the paperclip industry anymore. That's it. I'm straight up paperless now. Yeah. We need to shut that down. We need to shut down that industry. 
<laughs> I'm going to jump on Mad Mike's rocket and we're going to find a better home. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good run, Earth. I'm not going to be. Just kind of get up there, you know, just above the tree line, just kind of look around a little bit, <laughs> yeah, try and just, spot a new one. See just a, big, out there with Super a Mario. paperclip robot coming and, you know, just. Let's get us out of here, Mad Mike. Jump on your limo to space and fly me away. I always thought Staples and uh, Office Depot were a little sinister. No, I, yeah. Uh, no. All right. Hey, Mike, you got a slice? I do have a slice. Uh, I, one I'm really excited about. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, the relevant audience to One Eye slash 2017 UI, which is the oh, yes. first documented interstellar visitor to our solar system. What? It's a cigar-shaped asteroid that was first detected by these Pan-STARRS-1 array on October 19th. And what's interesting about it, you can think of the orbit of most objects in our solar system as basically a dinner plate. Our solar system is a flat disk. And this object came from above, which we rarely see objects with orbits Hmm. that are that far uh, off axis to other objects in the solar system. And it was moving very, very quickly, uh, in fact, on an escape velocity from our solar system. So as we watched it, we wanted to see if it started to uh, generate a trail as it got or a tail as it got close to the sun, which would indicate that it was merely a comet with a very large orbit. But in fact, it didn't start to melt or create a tail as it approached the sun. And uh, the sun's gravity did bend its arc. And now it is in the space between Earth and Mars and is on a rapid exit trajectory from the solar system. But what's significant is this is the first opportunity we've had to study an object whose origins does not lie in our solar system. And uh, pretty exciting for astronomers and astrophysicists. How do they know? I mean, I mean I, I'm sorry for how dumb that question is, but like, you know, there's a lot of objects flying around all the time. You said it's just a cigar shaped thing. Like, how do they do they know where it came from? Do they know how old it is or how far away it came? We don't. Uh, it, it did come from the direction of a nearby galaxy, but that galaxy wasn't there when the uh, rock would have the asteroid would have left. Uh, that galaxy. So its its origins and age are a mystery. Huh. Its shape is extremely strange. We don't see cigar-shaped asteroids in our solar system. Uh, its materials seem strange, although we didn't get a lot of time to study it because it's moving so fast. But its uh, angle of entry into the inner solar system and its velocity are what tips us off. Uh, orbital mechanics is very predictable and if you have the trajectory of an object in space you can calculate where it's been and where it's going and when you run the math on this object's trajectory it entered from beyond the solar system and is going fast enough to leave it once again so it's basically gone on a curve because of our sun but it's not staying this i mean but you're saying this is the first time we've observed something crossing paths with our solar system Mm -hmm. that shocks me Yeah, it's not that this is the first time it's happened. It's the first time that we've had automated telescope arrays looking for objects like this and then um, escalating that to human observers in order to determine more data analysis. We expect this will happen more in the future. This happened very shortly after a software upgrade to the PanSTARRS-1 automated telescope system. so so you said they don't know what the material is like. So we're assuming it's not, you know, like a, like a meteor, like some kind of I mean, it's some sort of like rock or mineral. We just don't know. 
Is that what yeah, it's asteroid-like because it didn't uh, start to create a tail as it moved near the sun's orbit. Hmm. What, what, what are the implications? What are we learning? Or what is it? what does it make us think? You know. Well, if we can start to reliably identify objects that come from outside the solar system and expedite them in time, we can use more sophisticated telescopes and mass spectrometers to learn more about their composition. And this will start to tell us how unique or not unique our solar system is compared to other solar systems in our galaxy. Uh, and also, um, fascinatingly enough, uh, it would be possible if we really get good at this to uh, launch a craft to intercept an interstellar object and maybe even probe it, which could give us extremely detailed insight into the origins of the universe at large. And of course, then more insight about our own solar system. And, and about, you know, how many paperclips we could make. <laughs> yeah, with right. Those. Like we need yeah. to know it's, it, it's about eight meters by 80 meters, which if by my math is a lot of paper clips. A lot of paper clips. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, that, that, I mean, uh, Mad Mike could jump that in a limo four or five times. I'm trying to do the math in my head. Um, so you're saying if we sent a ragtag team of oil drillers led by Bruce Willis. And, and That's the Netflix. only possibility. And a bunch of yeah. Dubai robots who like paper clips. They yeah, have to go with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And Mad Mike's probably on his way up there and his, his steam power rocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of factors in play, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, the Gray Havens performs. So early on Christmas morn, Jesus Christ, the sun was born, singing carols, Christmas songs. Early on, one Christmas morn, early on, one Christmas morn, Jesus Christ, the sun was born, singing carols, Christmas songs. Jesus Christ. You're listening to Cotton Top Mountain Sanctified Singers. The song is Christ Was Born on Christmas Morn. Classic. Old school. Like her name is a mouthful. I mean it's, it's an epic like name. I mean it's like it was like recorded on a old Edison phonograph still in I don't know, it's crazy sounding. I love that song. It's great. The Grey Havens is a husband and wife duo of David and Licia Radford. Uh, they make thoughtful indie folk that explores ideas like faith and love inspired by the writings of C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, and others. The band recently stopped by the still under construction relevant studios to perform songs from their new album, Ghost of a King, which recently debuted at number three on iTunes singer-songwriter charts. Performing Train Station, here is The Grey Havens. Where the people go to try and escape And with anxious eyes we stand in line Till the cold ground shakes to tell us it's time for the trains Yes, it's time for the trains to start Some were steel and some were gold And each conductor raised they shouted, buy your tickets, save your soul. 
But one conductor sang And he shouted, yo, come follow me I'll buy your tickets and oh, pay your fees Cause I know what you cost Believe me, without this train you will be lost So the rich men laughed and they walked away But the poor ones felt that they should stay So they told all of their friends They told even strangers too There were ten thousands of people Should come let us see this scandalous train That claims to be free Just let him speak Like sand Says throw your tickets On the floor I'll give you mine instead And he shouted you Come follow me I'll buy your tickets And oh pay your fees Cause I know what you cost Believe me without this train you Rushing like a flood, wild-eyed, looking for blood. They said, show us the one who lies, deceives, and claims his trains of grace are free. Cause we take his body to the track and nail him there, so he never comes back. You would take his body to the track and nail him there, so he never comes back. Stone beneath us break And he came back He came back anyway And there was love That was the Grey Havens. Stay tuned. Up next, Richard Rohr joins us. I want you to know May old day May old day It's so Merry, merry and bright Darling, I wish to hold up One more thing In me, oh, oh All of your Christmas hair Oh, 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 oh,
You're listening to Otis Redding. The song is White Christmas. Come on. This week's feature interview is brought to you by RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. What does that mean? Their bars are made with 100% whole ingredients. I love this. They want to be transparent and upfront with their customers, which is why they label the core ingredients, egg whites, dates, nuts, on the front of the package and the ingredients that make up the texture and taste on the back, like 100% real uh, cocoa or coconut. Beyond being a go-to snack that checks off a number of nutritional boxes, RX bars actually taste delicious. They found creating a bar made from real whole food ingredients actually tastes better than anything out there. We don't need the fillers, the additives, and the chemicals, or the added sugar. I'm a customer of RX Bar. I eat these things almost every day. They're absolutely phenomenal. RX Bars are gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. There's no added sugar, no artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservative or, or fillers. They use egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture. I'm telling you, it's good. And right now, they are offering Relevant Podcast listeners a very special offer. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash relevant and enter promo code relevant at checkout. I, I literally like, after they sponsored the show like six months ago, I went and did that, used our promo code, got like six boxes in the mail. Wow. Love deal. these things. It's a great hmm. deal. Richard Rohr is a Franciscan teacher and author who's written more than two dozen books, including Falling Upward, The Enneagram, A Christian Perspective, and The Divine Dance. We recently spoke with him about how to grow in your faith and how facing your own doubts can actually strengthen it. Here is Father Richard Rohr. What I've found for many people is there is sort of a a temptation, I would say, to start deconstructing their faith, or at least to take the questions they have about their faith a little more seriously, but they're, uh, but they're scared uh, to do that. Or there's a fear that if they pull one element of their faith out, then the whole thing will crumble. Um, so what, what is it that, that will motivate people to get over that fear or, or how can people who may be feeling that fear um, sort of uh, find the motivation to take that next step? Mm. Well, let me try this. Uh, you know, and this is a bird's eye view, but I'm going to go to the big level. Part of the problem in contemporary society is that we come from centuries now of really defining faith in a largely intellectual way and a, a way that uh, didn't include darkness. Now, with that out of the picture, and people given the impression that they have a right to perfect certitude and perfect clarity and perfect <laughs> order every step of the way, you've basically, I'm going to say it strongly, you've basically destroyed the biblical idea of faith to begin with. So so now when bits of darkness or, or actual faith's journey is asked of people, they think they're losing their faith. <laughs> when in fact, the great ones would say, you're finally finding it. <laughs> this is what it means to live with not perfect, rational, mental clarity and order. You leave that to God. It's not just a not knowing, but it's actually a non-need to know because God knows. And that's that's where grace leads 
the great mystics and saints of our tradition. Uh, but we haven't been taught that for several hundred years. So people are very afraid of what looks like deconstruction. And let me say at this point, there is such a thing as deconstruction. <laughs> I mean, a loss of faith. I'm not naive about that. Where I stop trusting, I stop allowing, I stop surrendering, I stop loving. But that's not what we're talking about. So uh, the biblical journey through darkness, through not knowing, is not really deconstruction, unless it's a, a necessary and good deconstruction of the first naive levels of faith. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that make any sense? <laughs> it makes sense to me. I think, yeah. I think that, uh, well, for, I can speak for myself. I went to, uh, to a, a Protestant, uh, borderline fundamentalist college. And whenever uh -huh. we would ask questions, the, there was a, especially about say the inerrancy of, of a literal interpretation of scripture or something. The fear was, well, if you question that, then where do you stop? Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. idea is you're going to snowball into atheism or a, a secularist context. In fact, you don't move to the next level of faith without going through a necessary period of darkness and that is so traditional now again I admit that's more Catholic language but we had our mystics like John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila who understood the ways of darkness but when you never had that in your background and it's all about building this coherent consistent uh, uh, system where you actually uh, love your understanding of things. <laughs> this is not love of God anymore. This is um, the idol called certitude. And mm -hmm. we're not in the biblical realm anymore. And this is the irony for me that the very people who say they love the Bible so much, in fact, have created a, a para Bible, which is a a whole bunch of certitudes about a whole bunch of things that don't even demand certitude. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> uh, it's really, it's, it's sad. Well, and this is why religion has such a horrible image in our culture at this point. It keeps producing very low-level people who call themselves Christian and uh, tend to be racist, tend to be sexist, tend to be homophobic, tend to be uh, classist, tend to be a bigoted people. And you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the world doesn't take this seriously anymore. But that's what happens when you idealize knowing and, of course, put yourself on the side of the knower. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the danger. Yeah. That's the danger. Anyway, I hope I'm not being too strong. I don't want to be unkind or unfair, but, but it has reached such a low point in our country that we've got to start being very clear about this, where this, this non-biblical notion of faith has finally led us. And it's, it's uh, worth weeping over. So for somebody who is feeling sort of trapped there, and I think a lot of times it comes from it, there can be a, a fear of being wrong again. You've just pulled sure, down a, sure, whole, a sure. whole construct, so you don't want to go through this process, this surgery all over again if you yeah. don't have to. For people well who put. feel stuck there, what? How, how could they? How could they begin? Or, or is there like practical, like practical steps for beginning to reorder? 
your life, your worldview? You know, now I'm going to sound so conservative religious, but I'm going to say it. Uh, You know, unless and until there's some experience of the absolute, the transcendent, the holy, God was our word for that. You don't have to use that word. I'm not tied to it. But it's easy. It's an easy shortcut to get to what we're trying to talk about, you know. Uh, Unless there's some surrendering to infinite mystery uh which is another word for god uh, i don't know how the the liberal progressive mind gets out of their entrapment it's just too it's too satisfying to the ego to think of yourself as smart and enlightened you know <laughs> uh now that's probably again why there's the centrality of necessary suffering in in really all of the world religions that uh, and i define suffering as when you are not in control there normally has to be some experience in your life which takes away your false sense of control a death in the family loss of reputation flood hurricane that uh, takes away all of your certitudes I hate to say it so straightforwardly, but I don't see many ways that the the highly sophisticated person gives up control until they have to. <laughs> <laughs> they won't. They won't. It has to be forced upon them. And of course, just let leave any human life to its own devices. And somewhere between thirty and and sixty, that's going to happen. Uh, that life isn't going to make sense anymore. But the way you framed it, something that will will deconstruct your deconstruction, if I can put it that way. Uh, so. Um, I know that doesn't sound like much of an agenda, <laughs> but but it actually is the divine agenda, the way that that God uh, breaks through to the soul. So um, it it is God's work. I don't think I and I've been a spiritual director and and confessor and preacher much of my life, but you can't steer somebody toward it. You can announce it. Uh, but they're not ready to hear it at any level of depth until it's forced upon them. That was Richard Rohr. Stay tuned. Up next, The Grey Havens performs again. All the trees are on display to the Ravenettes. The song is the Christmas song. I'm gonna, I think we're gonna launch some uh, Christmas playlists on the relevant Spotify channel. So, love it. Uh, if you want to head over to Spotify and search for relevant, if I have found the time in my evenings during deadline week this week, <laughs> there will be very fresh Christmas playlists there. And if not, they'll show up next week or some random yeah. time during the Christmas season. We like Christmas music. 
When the Grey Havens uh, came to the studio, we like seeing we like seeing what bands do when they come because the kind of the challenge of coming to the relevant studios is to take your big production. You know, like your your uh, some artists might be overproduced. I'm not saying they are, right? But they might you know perfect things a little too much. Studio, we don't want that. We want we the stripped down strip acoustic. Down. We want yeah. the raw, the real, and it transforms the music in a beautiful way. Uh, when they came, uh, Alicia played uh, melodica? melodica. Is that what it's called? Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, honestly, I think this is how they play live. It's it's stripped down all the time, but so mm-hmm. it's perfect for you know for us. Yeah, exactly. We've had certain artists come in with very big productions. Yeah, full and band. It, and 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 then they sit down at our craggly old piano that's missing a key, and they're like, "We don't know what to do here." <laughs> and we're like, "That's the point. Don't yeah. rely on your tricks and your filters and your trendy and your effects and your reverb. yeah line six pedals." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we want a melodica and nothing else. Yeah. Right. Well, there you know, they're because they're incredible vocals. You know, David was a top twenty finalist on American Idol. Like well, I think I it was like season five or six. Yeah, oh, wow. they were super nice. So that's yeah. interesting. I wish I had known. I would have. He was almost our that. next American Idol. He was. He was <laughs> two rounds away from being America's Idol. So. I don't believe in idolatry. I'm just saying. I'm a voice. No, I, do. A voice. I, I, I would worship him alongside an AI deity if, if he had one. I mean, if he had one. If he had one. Now I think now I respect Kelly Clarkson. him. Yeah, but I respect him in his melodica. But, yeah. uh, you know. Performing their title track, Ghost of a King. Here is the Grey Havens. The ghost of a king on the road when I first fell Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell Met a ghost of a king on a road Words of fire He said, you are a lonely soul With a heart of stone It rakes against your thirsty bones Such a lonely soul Whoa. Said I can show you what could save you But we need to go Where no chariot can take you Where the river meets the sand There is water there that can quench thirsty bones And make you ill Make you well So I followed the ghost of a king With every step I tried to see beyond For a trace of the riverside But restlessness was my prize And then we came upon a golden shore But the voice of fire wasn't coming from ghosts no more My heart of stone came alive When my eyes opened up And I saw that I had come where no chariot can take you Where the river meets the sand There is water there that 
can crunch thirsty bones and make you ill, make you ill. So I know beside the river and I drink until I drink until I drink until I die. But something in the water must have brought me back. It brought me back. It brought me back to life. Where no chariot can take you. Where the river meets the sea. That was the Great Havens. Make sure to check out their album, The Ghost of a King. It's out now. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. A lot of programs, books, and gurus make promises this time of year to help you find your purpose. But we have a better idea. Make Jesus your only resolution. When you decide to make Him your spiritual goal, you'll start to meet Him in creative, surprising, and unexpected ways that'll change your life more effectively than any New Year's self-improvement program. Start a practice of centering on Jesus with a free 21-day devotional. Each day has a simple idea that will convert ordinary moments, like waiting at a traffic light or right before you make a purchase, into a supernatural experience. See what we mean. Start one day today at jesuscenteredlife.com forward slash 21 days. You're listening to the Cocktoo Twins. Song is Winter Wonderland. Very festive, classic. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Uh, last week we switched it up because two weeks ago on the podcast, Jesse derailed everything by um, get, doing the question of the week. He just pulled up the app and we asked you, would it be fun to have a tail? And what <laughs> would you do if you had magnetic fingertips? Mm. Um, we decided to get things back on track last week. It's, you know, obviously yesterday uh, was Thanksgiving and it's the holiday season. And we wanted to, you know, it's been a hard 2017 for a lot of people, for our country, for our world. Um, we wanted to focus on the positive And we asked you last week, what are you thankful for? You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and you posted as well on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here are a few of your replies. Rochelle said, I'm, I'm very thankful for my church family. I'm, str- I'm a stressed out second year dental student, but my church family keeps me grounded, provides encouragement, and reminds me that my purpose in life is greater than just working with big floss to push our agenda and finding <laughs> ways to stop people like Jesse from getting into our way. A very sweet, a very sweet uh, uh, 
Jesse, comment you spammed she up is going to school to join Big Floss. I know, and she's oh. she's gloating about it on her own website. <laughs> oh. That's hilarious. It was a sweet, heartfelt thing about her church family, and then she rubbed it in Jesse's face, and she's part of now. She's now becoming part of yeah, Big Floss, well, and her, and well, we'll, we'll see. That's we'll see hilarious. if she accidentally gets blocked from posting because uh, <laughs> accidentally, accidentally, because someone has admin rights, Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Uh, Mike uh, Mike Smith says, uh, "I'm just uh, I'm just thankful to be home with my family. This time last year, I, w- I had just been deployed with the U.S. Navy. Let's remember all those deployed that can't be with their families this year. Oh, that was a good one, Mike, and mm. I appreciate that you didn't also put a personal insult directed towards me in there. So uh, <laughs> yeah, remember the Navy and how kind you are. Thank you for your service, Mike." Yeah. James and Daniela Netherland say, I actually did know a guy who had a magnetic finger and I think he what? would be grateful for it. Long version, a guy I knew wanted to work on developing an additional sense for magnetic fields. So he implanted yeah. a metal grade magnet in his finger. He said it would not interfere with credit card or cell phone functions and planned on doing additional similar experiments in the future. He was an atheist, so I'm not sure who he would be grateful to. But he was definitely pleased with his new power. That's his great. name, Mad Mike Hughes, the next governor of California. <laughs> the next governor of California. <laughs> uh, Gilbert G. That magnet question has led to, we could do a full episode on the, on the amount of content oh. that we've gotten out of that question. So as, as Science Mike has the actual thoughtful kind of faith in science uh, conversation on a podcast and Jesse launches the the uh, the alternative to that, right? Yeah, it's, it's it's not thoughtful and it's borderline heretical. And, uh, <laughs> borderline. It's, oh, I say some pretty outrageous things about uh, my theories, and um, <laughs> it's mostly. I mean, it's mostly about turtles that are walking. Into space. <laughs> I still don't get I, the turtle I have, thing. I have but. this thing I call the turtle code, where I'm kind of yeah. looking for turtles well, in the Bible. That's the uh, name. Of, that's the name of the podcast, isn't the it? Turtle code. <laughs> the turtle, yeah. turtle, yeah. Code turtle code with Jesse Carey. I would subscribe immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got I got like Hebrew scholars on and they're yeah. like, so why am I on here again? I'm looking for turtles in scripture like hidden in the text. I don't know Hebrew or Latin or whatever have you. What do you know about turtles? Let's talk turtles. Turtle talk. <laughs> Gilbert G. This is a good one. We'll end on this one because this is this one. This one's good. I am thankful because Gilbert G is a long time listener. I've seen him tweet a lot of stuff at us uh, recently over the last year or so. He says that I am thankful I got engaged this past weekend. Some of the best laughs my fiance and I share are when we listen to the podcast together. Good. Hey, congratulations, Gilbert, and we heartily accept your invitation to crash your wedding. Uh, I will. I will both MC and officiate for a small fee to fund some turtle research I'm undergoing. Congrats, right. Gilbert. Yeah, congrats, man. All right, that'll do it for last week's feedback. You can join in online. Uh, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right, for this week's question of the week, we're going back. We're we're going back. We came. We we had a kind of nice redemption. Redemptive question of the week last week. Positive. Mm-hmm. We're going back to the week before. Uh, we want to know other mysteries that Mad Mike Hughes, <laughs> gov- gubernatorial candidate in the state of, state of California, should solve. Other mysteries right. that uh, you think Mad Mike Hughes should solve and how. Uh, yeah. Jesse is not kidding. He's going to try and get him on the show. 
That's right. So, assuming he, assuming he is a rocket himself off to that cigar-shaped object that's blasting <laughs> through the, the galaxy. Right, right, right. Get him on the show, and then we could maybe suggest your suggestions to him. You know, hey, uh, so get mysteries his take on it. Yeah, mysteries that need to be solved and ways that he could solve them. I mm. mean, the man clearly yeah. is a bold pioneer. <laughs> He's an outside-the-box thinker, that's for sure. He's got some ideas about how to solve things. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 All right. You can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you could post your suggestions uh, at on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to this episode's sponsors for making uh, the show possible. Remember, Samaritan Ministries, you can become a member. If you're an uh, individual, you can become a member for just 100 bucks a month, uh, two people for 200 three and up, starting at 250 You can find out more at samaritanministries.org. Also, thanks to Squarespace. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. And also thanks to RxBar. For 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash relevant and enter promo code RELEVANT at checkout. Do it. I have used that promo code and it works. Thanks also to our guests, the Grey Havens. You can follow them on Twitter at Grey Haven Music. They're uh, album Ghost of a King is out now. And also thanks to Richard Rohr. You can follow him on Twitter at Richard Rohr OFM. Uh, it's a great follow. Science Mike, thanks for sitting in with us today, man. This was a lot of fun. Always a party. I'm happy to uh, join Relevant at any time and make the show just a little more boring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I learned. Would, yeah, I wouldn't the say The only that. episodes that I've ever learned anything. Well, that's not true. Our guests are amazing. But other than the, the interviews, the only time I've ever been enriched and yeah. grown in my intellect and my faith is when Science Mike sits in the back. Yeah, the only no. episodes I haven't act- actively gotten dumber on are ones that Mike is <laughs> That part of my brain didn't actually just die right there was the ones Mike's on, and I do and Andre, man, that. We're looking forward to having you back on. We're, we're yeah. glad you're on our team. That was really great. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, man. It's fun having you. Uh, all right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Andre. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. And I'm Science Mike. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Gubernatorial? Is that? Am I saying that right?